night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Good evening, good morning, welcome everyone. It's Beyond Reality. Just a second. Yeah, I know, Slick. We've got, we've got, yeah, I know. We've got the, uh, we're going to do Skype. Sorry, a little inside stuff going on here. Slick is a little confused about something, but we're okay. Um, anyway, welcome to the program, everyone. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Uh, tonight's going to be a really interesting night. Uh, sometimes you get a collection of guests and things that uh, all fall together that make it a super special show. Tonight's one of those nights. We've got two guests that'll be joining us tonight. Uh, in the first hour, we've got uh, Paolo Adivisimo. And he is an Italian writer uh, who's written a lot about the moon landing hoax assertions. Uh, his position is that um, that it, there was no hoax involved here. We really did go to the moon. Uh, the Apollo missions were legitimate. Some people contend they weren't. Some people contend that it was all staged. Um, and it was part of the arms race, the, spa- the uh, uh, Cold War, you know, the space race, the arms race, the Cold War with the Soviet Union. Uh, so, uh, Paulo, uh, says, no, it wasn't. And we're going to talk about why he says that and why the folks that uh, assert otherwise are, uh, misled. That'll be very interesting. And that'll only be for an hour because Paulo has to go to work. He can only be with us for an hour. He's overseas. That's why slick. We're doing Skype. Um, and then in the second hour, Gary Williams will be joining us. Gary is a psychic and an author. Uh, he's written a book called, uh, the foreseeable future. And it's a discussion about precognition. He'll talk about uh, how you or how he and how other psychics predict the future. And uh, he'll be taking your phone calls and doing readings. That'll be in the second hour of the program. I will let you know when those phone lines are open. By the way, we will open the phone lines early for our first guest as well as we talk about the moon landing uh, hoax or non-hoax, whatever it happens to be. That's coming up. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As I said, we've got a great show lined up for you. We've got two guests. Uh, the second hour, we're going to have Gary Williams with us. He's a psychic and an author. We're going to be talking about his book which is the foreseeable future. It's a discussion of precognition and predicting the future among psychics. Um, but our first hour will be featuring a discussion about a topic that's rather controversial at times, maybe all the time. Uh, we're talking about the moon landings. Some people believe that the moon landings never really happened, that it was a staged media event. Uh, these, the footage that we've all come to know uh, from NASA, which were of astronauts walking and experimenting and exploring the surface of the moon was actually done on a soundstage. That's what the conspiracists contend. Our guest tonight, Paolo Adivisimo, uh, says that's not, that's not the way it happened. We actually did go to the moon, and it was all real, and it was all amazing. And Paolo, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on Beyond Reality Radio tonight. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be your guest. So you've got a book. It's called Moon Hoax Debunked. Um, you've taken this head on. Now, first of all, let's let's talk about the moon landings themselves. Why are they a lightning rod for conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists? Well, uh, I think this is by design. Uh, let's not forget that uh, President Kennedy uh, intended the moon landings to be something that would amaze the world, that would make... Uh, America seem incredibly advanced technologically. Uh, therefore, they were chosen as something that was, in theory, unattainable, or in any case, at the very limits of technology of the time. So the idea of making something that people might not believe was sort of part of the package. The um, conspiracy theorists, folks that have talked about this, and we've had people on the program talking about this, point to a lot of things They're, they have a a basket full of what they claim to be evidence that this did not happen the way it was reported or the way history has has been teaching us um is this a case at all where there's smoke there might be some fire 
Well, uh, it's always a good idea to uh, question authority and uh, double check every single fact. And that's what I've done in my book. And uh, I've also met the Apollo astronauts. I've spoken to the engineers who designed the vehicles. I've gone through all the technical literature that's been published, not only by NASA, but also by the Russian Space Agency, by the European Space Agency. And it turns out that, um, well, the story is very convincing. Uh, there's uh, very solid evidence that we actually did go to the moon and we went six times. The interesting part about this, that in this case, is why are there so many anomalies in the photographic record? And um, so I, I decided to uh, look at them one by one and see if they stood up to uh, rigorous testing. And it turns out that uh, so far nothing has actually survived. Um, most of the claims like, uh, well, basic things like why, why are there no stars in the uh, Apollo photographs? Well, there aren't any stars in any of the pictures taken in space, because if you're setting your camera for daylight, you're not going to gather enough light to see a very faint object such as a star, even if you're in space. Right. You know, photog photography still works that way. Things like uh, why is the flag uh, fluttering um, as if there's wind on the moon? And we all know that the moon is, is an airless body. And, uh, well, the, the answer is if you go and look at the technical manuals and you look at the photographs carefully, you'll see that the, the flag is actually being held up by a horizontal rod. It looks like one of your little house curtains, um, which gives a very nice effect. It looks like it's fluttering. It's actually all creased up because it was packed very neatly uh, next to one of the legs of the lunar module uh, so that it could be taken out and planted on the, on the lunar surface. So one by one, they all fall down uh, as soon as you have all the facts. And you start thinking, well, um, if this, if this uh, alleged evidence of fakery, uh, if it's so obvious, then why would the people at NASA be so stupid as to do it so obviously, as to make such obvious mistakes? Right. It seems like if they were intending to forge something, they would they would do something without so many mistakes. We're going to get yeah. into we're going to talking about more of these photographs and more of this other uh, so-called evidence um, in a minute. But I want to find out more about you. At what point did you? Uh, take an interest in this particular topic. Uh, this is not something that everybody decides they're going to go out and either prove or disprove. At some point, it <laughs> caught your attention, and you started doing this work. What, what happened? Yeah, well, uh, it caught my attention as a child, actually. I was born in 1963, so uh, I was six years old when the first moon landing happened. And uh, I rem remember the mood of the time as this being uh, not just in the United States, but in, in Italy, where I was living at the time. Uh, it was sort of this we, humanity, went to the moon. It wasn't just an American event. It was a worldwide emotion. And so this caught me up, and uh, um, I then sort of uh, became enamored with the subject uh, through uh, books that were published at the time. And later on, uh, when the Internet came along, I started writing technical books about the Internet, how to use it. And one of the things that kept popping up was conspiracy theories, so I had a look at that and I uh, said, well, maybe I can use my skills to explain why these conspiracy, conspiracy theories are wrong or many of the strange claims that were circulating on the early 1990s Internet were, were factually incorrect. And so I just wrote a page saying, well, this is the basics about the moon landings. We went six times. There's 20,000 photographs. It would be too hard to fake. So we have to, we must have been there. We must have gone. And it just blossomed from there. People started writing to me and saying, well, why don't you explain this picture? Why don't you explain that detail? We've seen this strange glitch in a movie. Why is this, um, why the Van Allen radiation belts and so on? So one thing led to another. So in the end, um, about 10 years ago, I said, well, let's write a book, put it online and um, let people decide for themselves. The... Um Conspiracy itself, I mean, and I know this really started to gain some traction with some folks when the Internet was in its infancy, at least from a commercial use standpoint. But do we know where the origin of any of that was there? Was there a central figure along the way who became a real proponent of this early on that um, were, were helped it gain traction? Uh, well, yes, I think we can mention a couple of names, uh, historical uh, conspiracy theories theorists. 
Um, the, uh, the, I think the first name that comes to everyone's mind, if anyone's been uh, interested in the moon landing uh, hoax theories, is Bill Casing. Uh, Bill Casing wrote a book called We Never Went to the Moon, uh, American, America's $30 billion swindle. And um, this was 1974, so the moon landings were very fresh in everyone's mind. The last moon landing was in 1972. And here he is um, with apparently impressive credentials. Um, Casing uh, says he was working for the Rocketdyne division of Rockwell International, which was one of the companies that made the um, Saturn V, the giant rocket that took people to the moon. Um, so it sounds like he's someone who knows what he's talking about. However, when you start doing fact-checking, it turns out that his actual qualification is a bachelor's degree in English literature. <laughs> and uh, he says that in his book, actually, yeah, even he, he says, quote, my knowledge of rockets and technical writing both equaled zero. So it's, it's, he's not really an expert on the topic. Uh, and, but uh, I think he's the first person that comes to mind. And uh, he appeared in many TV programs and uh, was quite... Um, popular with his book. Uh, th there are also other people who came before him, um, but their books have now disappeared. They're basically impossible to find. I know this, this gentleman in Texas, I think his name was James Colley, and um, he wrote a book, but it's, it's banished. It's um, impossible to find. So if any one of your listeners has a chance to find uh, anything prior to 1974, then we can make uh, advancements in the history of conspiracy conspiracy theories about the moon landings <laughs> um we have to take a break in just a couple of minutes here and on the other side of the break we're going to get into some of what what the conspiracy theorists call evidence in support of their theory um but before we do that you made the mention that you know if nasa was going to fake something there are a lot of really bright people uh working on the apollo missions and the moon landings and if they were in uh, trying to fake something it seems like they would have done a better job but I guess the conspiracy theorists might say they wouldn't have been able to anticipate even 1990s computer technology that allows people to analyze these things in a little more uh, depth than they could have back in 1969, 1970, 71. Good point. Uh, in fact, the, the main trouble in uh, assuming or supposing that NASA faked the footage and faked the moon rocks and faked the rockets is that sooner or later technology would develop so uh, so much more that we would find the telltale evidence of, of what happened of the fakery. So far, we haven't. Um, all the analyses that I've seen of the Apollo photographs, for example, are based on uh, very amateurish technology. Uh, I mean, if you just get any Apollo photograph, uh, you, you download a low-quality JPEG from the Internet, and then you start enhancing it, obviously you're going to get what you call artifacts, right. um, which is due to compression. It's not in the original photograph. If you download the original scan, you get none of these strange artifacts appearing in the picture. So it's, it's not due to uh, an improvement in technology that we're finding this apparent evidence. Uh, it's because we're not using the new technology in the proper way. Uh, so if you, if you actually get the, go, go to the original scans, which, are, by the way, are freely downloadable, the quality is absolutely amazing, then you actually get to see all the details and it becomes even more difficult to fake such quality. Uh, Paolo, is the, is the book uh, in Italian? I know you have an English version, but was it written in Italian? Uh, yes, the original version was, was written in Italian for my readers. As I work in mostly in, in Italian, I live in Switzerland, but my, my readership is mostly in, in Italian. Uh, but uh, I realized there was a potential interest for it uh, abroad as well. So I said, well, let's make an, uh, an English language version. And it's freely available. It's, you just go to www.moonhoaxdebunked.com and it's there. I mean, if people want to get the Amazon version on paper, it's also available. Um, the idea is to get this information out as much as possible, as have it as easily po available as possible so that anyone can make their mind up very easily. Let's talk about some of the so-called evidence that uh, the conspiracy theorists have put forth. And a lot of it does have to do with the, the photographic record or the video record. 
Tell us about uh, the lighting um, assertions. I mean, one of the things that, that people will say is that they can tell based on some mathematics that there is a spotlight of certain size at a certain distance. that's actually producing some of the light effects. Go over some of that with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, there's a very famous photograph of Buzz Aldrin, the second man to step on the moon, uh, who is standing in the shadow of the, the, the spacecraft of the lunar module on the lunar surface. And he's very well lit. And now people say, well, how can he be so well lit if he's in the shadow uh, of the vehicle? And uh, well, the answer is true, correct. There is a sort of a spotlight. The spotlight is his pal, his colleague, Neil Armstrong, who is actually wearing a very bright white spacesuit, which is still pristine. It hasn't been dirtied by lunar dust. So it's very bright. And he's standing in full sunlight a few meters away from from, uh, Buzz Aldrin. So he's actually splashing his sunlight onto Buzz. Plus, uh, all around the lunar module, you have the entire surface of the moon, which is daylit with sunlight, which is even brighter than the sunlight that we find on Earth. It's about 30% brighter. So you have all this, uh, all these light sources coming from all directions and lighting everything that's above the surface of the moon. And then obviously you add the fact that uh, the astronauts were trained for photography in, uh, in space. So they set the camera for shadow photography. So if they're taking a picture of Buzz Aldrin in the shadow, then they're going to open uh, the the settings, the f-stops, so that you can take a picture in in the shadow and it looks correctly exposed. And as you go on one by one, all these claims uh, can be easily uh, explained if you know a little bit of photography and you think of the context. It's part of the problem here that many of the people doing the analysis are using what we would consider to be Earth-based physics uh, in their analysis and not considering the different conditions that would be on the lunar surface that would create different uh, properties for the light reflection and, and you know, the properties for what we would consider to be atmosphere degradation of, of vision, those types of things? Well, uh, partly, yes, I think you're correct in that. Uh, but most of the times what I see is people using a non-terrestrial physics, actually physics that doesn't really exist about uh, like the properties of the light on the moon. Uh, there are some differences. For example, on the moon, there's no atmosphere. So an object that is miles away is still incredibly sharp, whereas on Earth you have the atmosphere which sort of fades colors and fades and obliterates detail. Uh, So there are differences. But by and large, the light on the moon follows the same optical principles as it follows on Earth. So, you know, shadows uh, behave in the same way. Many people, for example, believe that uh, shadows on the moon should be pitched black. They should be absolutely black because there's no air to diffuse the light. Well, that's not actually true because um, shadows... The lighting of shadows doesn't depend on how much air there is. It depends on how much surface there is around to splash light into the the, the, the shadow. So uh, as you as you go on, you realize that people have a sort of a misperception of how optics and physics work. And once you clear that misperception, it becomes obvious that, uh, yeah, the photographs are actually following the rules of physics. And you can actually replicate many of the same phenomena here on Earth. One of the my favorite recommendations is if you have questions about the lighting of the photographs, the best thing is to buy a model kit, build it, put it on a surface outside somewhere uh, in the, at night with a bright light shining on it and take as many photographs as you want. You'll see so many interesting effects appear and they surprisingly look just like pictures taken on the moon because that's the way light works. Uh, one of the other contentions from the folks who claim this was a conspiracy is the discussion of the radiation belts, that human yeah. life can't survive, couldn't survive that. Um, how, do, how do we explain that away? Uh, well, uh, um, basically, the, the main problem uh, presented by conspiracy theorists is there's, there's these two large bands of high-energy particles that surround the Earth. They're called Van Allen belts. They were discovered in the 1950s by James Van Allen, 
and uh, these are they're, they're presented as this impassable barrier which will fry anyone who goes through them. Well, uh, point number one: don't fly through them. Uh, they actually donut shaped, so you, all, all you have to do is, see if you want to avoid the brunt of this radiation, you simply fly around the edges, which is what the Apollo astronauts did. Um, the second idea is, well, uh, this what kind of radiation is it? Are we talking about um, gamma radiation that will turn you into the Hulk or anything like that? No, it's uh, very basic alpha, beta particles, which will be stopped by a few sheets of paper. Uh, so not all radiation is, is, is the same, is equally penetrating. So um, NASA had a simple idea. They built a space capsule, the Apollo capsule. They sent it through the Van Allen belt without a crew on board to see how much radiation would get through the shielding. And not enough got through to be dangerous. Uh, it, the, the equivalent dose is about a couple of x-rays. So, yeah, survivable. Um, also, the, we have a, another precedent from a very reliable source, which is the Russians. The Russians sent um, a spacecraft called Zond 5 a few years before the Apollo landings, uh, and they carried animals inside it. Um, it flew all the way to the moon and back, and the animals came out um, in good shape. So that means that uh, this radiation obviously is not as dangerous as it's made out to be. All right, let's um, let's uh, jump to the phone lines here. We've got Ken in Kansas City with a question. Hey, Ken, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for hey, the I've call. Got a question for your guest. I'm sorry about that. Um, I heard on another radio show a couple of days ago, and I and I'm a believer that the moon landing happened. But the only question that brought to my mind was, I believe it was the they have an issue with the lunar lander uh, coming up with the lunar lander for the next uh, space mission. If that's possible, that they uh, why can't they modify the original design of the lunar lander instead of coming up with a whole new theory of one? So you're quite. Taking so long. Let me make sure I understand, Ken. What you're saying here is that um, the, the discussions for returning to the moon or even Mars, that, for that matter, are uh, one of the problems they're citing is the fact that they uh, they have to figure out how to create a lunar lander. And your question is, why don't they just take the one they used if it was legitimate, modify it with today's technology, and use that 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 science? Correct. I mean, it, I mean, we're we're so technologically advanced now. All they got to do is modify what they currently had to make it a little larger. Yeah. Um, in my eyes. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, you, uh, I mean, you, I, I'm a total believer. Yeah. Know? No. That's a, that's a great question. Well, what do you think, Paulo? Yeah. Well, it's a very good question, Ken. Um, I, it's a question I've asked myself to many of the uh, NASA engineers I've uh, talked with, and uh, the answer is always, well, nobody is going to fly to the moon in such a dangerous vehicle now. Uh, you know, in the 1960s, we have the Soviets to beat. We have to show that uh, the American way of life is better than anybody else's. So if people lose their lives in the process of going to the moon, well, so be it. Uh, that means the, the, the hero, the, the people who went to the moon, the astronauts were actually risking their lives in so many different ways. There, there were so many things that could go wrong. Many did go wrong. Remember Apollo 13, uh, every mission had malfunctions and problems. Uh, I mean, look at the lunar module, the original Apollo lunar module. It has one descent engine. If that engine fails, you're dead. It has one ascent engine. If that engine fails, you're dead again. So there is very limited redundancy. No one today would design a spacecraft with that kind of limitation. So it would take a multi-engine vehicle, which has to be designed. It has to be uh, redesigned from scratch. Unfortunately, taking the, the original Apollo spacecraft and uh, remaking it, it, it sounds very romantic. I, I'd, be, I'd love to see it, to be honest, but uh, it, it's not it's not doable right now with uh, with the technology that we have because it would be too simply too dangerous. No no error margins at all. Okay, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Ken. It was a good question. Um, that brings up a bigger question for me, and this is one of one of uh, the what I think is uh, probably the most legitimate questions, regardless of whether we're talking about a conspiracy or not. Is given today's technology, why haven't we been back? Is it just there's nothing there to see? Uh, well, it's it's a combination of things, really. Uh, first of all, there is there's there's no political motiv motivation. Uh, let's let's not 
pretend that the Apollo moon landings were this sort of heroic gesture of let's do science on a massive scale. Uh, no, this was this was political propaganda. Uh, Kennedy wanted to impress the world, so he said, "Okay, let's pay as much as we need to get put a man on the on the moon." And the bill was pretty hefty. Uh, obviously, then Vietnam came along and priorities changed and so on. So um, the, the, it was it would be almost impossible to get Congress, American Congress, to um, fund the amount of money, the huge amount of money that would be necessary to get back to the moon. So you have a, a cost problem. Then you have a technology problem. The, the technologies that we used in the 1960s are now completely obsolete. So we'd have to build the entire process again. We'd have to have new materials, new paint systems, new uh, navigation systems, new computer systems. If you look at the 1960s computers that were used on Apollo, they were literally handmade. Uh, the technology is absolutely fantastic if you're interested in computer technology of, uh, of the past. That kind of thing would simply not fly, literally and also figuratively, today. They would say, no, no question, we're not going to the moon with a computer made with single discrete wires. Anything can go wrong. So uh, you have no political motivation, no funding, and you don't have – This is. I have to borrow this quote from Walt Cunningham, one of the Apollo astronauts. He said, nobody has the guts today to go to the moon like we would. You know, he said, okay, we'll go. If the, if the ship crashes, yeah, so be it. Uh, we, you know, we died doing something that we really believed in. And uh, so that's basically it. It's too dangerous, too expensive, and uh, there's no reason to go right now. There is some science that we could do on the moon, and uh, especially on the far side of the moon. Uh, look for alien signals, for example. That would be a fascinating endeavor. Unfortunately, nobody is willing to risk their um, life, political life, especially uh, on a mission to the moon for science. We had, I think it was in today today's news. I think the Israelis were attempting to put a... Yep put a uh, a vehicle uh, on the lunar surface and it failed if i if i read that headline correctly yes yes indeed it was um it was heart stopping it's, it's very sad to see them so charged with this idea or well, we're finally going to get one of our own vehicles it's a privately funded vehicle by the way uh to the moon and it just uh, it lost control uh, uh, above the lunar surface as it was descending and so we don't know yet exactly what went wrong but you know space is hard it's you know nasa was very good at making it look sort of easy right uh, but uh, it's incredibly difficult the amount of technology and knowledge and uh, expertise required to get a spacecraft to the moon is is fantastic, and this is what I admire about the the moon landings. Basically, you're trying to hit a flying bullet, the moon, which is flying around the Earth, with another bullet, and you have to hit it not too fast, not too slow, so that you can stop at the last minute. With the last remaining drops of fuel, you can gently land on the surface. Uh, as we all know, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon with basically on fumes because that was all he had in, in the fuel tanks uh, as he was trying to find a place to land. So uh, the, the, the skill required is so impressive and it's so encouraging for young people to say, look, this is what we can do when we uh, decide to do something and we're determined to do it and we get the funding and the technology and the we need people who have skills who know math who know science and can develop these vehicles and send us to places that we've never seen before so it can be a great encouragement for for all sorts of um, knowledge and uh, for example stem all the uh, topics uh, subjects about uh, edu of education uh, need to be uh, we we're a scientific technology culture uh, we, we need to do science-based decisions rather than gut-based decisions. Uh, I'm afraid this might be the last question we have time for, but uh, there's a whole another version of the conspiracy theory which says, yeah, we did go to the moon. We did all of that. But the uh, images that we saw were staged because of one of two reasons. Either they didn't want the Soviets to get any uh, scientific value out of anything they saw, and or they didn't want a national a catastrophe to appear on worldwide television if it went wrong. Any any thought that there might be some truth to that? Well, uh, it's a reasonable idea. I mean, it's, it's certainly more 
plausible than the we all who faked it all theory scenario, but um, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Uh, but I, I, I dealt with this from another angle. I went to uh, Douglas Trumbull, the visual effects designer of 2001: A Space Odyssey, which in the 1960s was the state of the art in visual effects, and I, I asked him. I said, you know, if you had to fake the moon landings, what would be the most difficult thing to do? To fake, and he said, "Well, we couldn't do it with 1960s technology because of a very strange detail: the dust, the way the dust moves when it's kicked by the astronauts, when it's kicked up by the wheels of the uh, electric car that they used on the moon, is something that we could not do uh, fake in in a studio on Earth because we wouldn't have the." correct gravity right. we wouldn't have the vacuum uh, so uh, if you, in fact if you look at 2001 a space odyssey you'll see that when they land on the moon the dust doesn't actually just fly away horizontally as it should the billows and forms these sort of clouds because it's in a it's in a studio so if, if even stanley kubrick and douglas trumbull couldn't get it right for 2001 then obviously uh, there were there was no technology to allow you to right. take the moon landings in the 1960s Paula, even if you look at yeah sorry no it's sorry. okay we're just out of time uh, one more time yeah. give uh, your website and where folks can get the book because it's a fascinating topic sure it's www.moonhoaxdebunked.com it's been a great conversation. I hope we get a chance to get you get you back some point. I know you have to. Uh, you've got another obligation you've got to get to here. Yeah, anytime. Glad to be with you. And in our second hour, we've got Gary Williams, psychic and author, joining us. Um, he's going to be talking about his book, The Foreseeable Future: The Mystery of Precognition. Uh, Gary, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. Well, I'm back. This is the second book and the second time, so uh, I should say that the mystery of precognition is really not so much of a mystery, since, uh, you know, you ghost hunter guy. I mean, is Jason there? He's the ghost hunter that I know of the, the most. Is well, he there or he, not? We are both ghost hunters. Jason's not here tonight. No, it's just me tonight. He's not there. Okay, well, it was a famous story told by Harry Price about Borley, in which uh, he said there was uh, the Borley Rector was going to burn down, and it was a prediction made in a seance. It was supposed to burn down that night, but anyway, the prediction came true like a year later. So predictions can happen like, you know, years later. In my in my work, they usually happen within three to six months or I end up having to give them their money back. <laughs> People don't want to know what's going to happen down. Hey, am I going to meet that guy? Yeah, maybe in five years. Forget it. Nobody would come to see you. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting book. If you want to know a little bit about the book, it's basically chock full of experiences uh, that I have had. My psychic journey. I wanted to call it that. The publishers refused to call it that. So I came up with that catchy title. And, uh, you know, how I became psychic and how it started and, you know, some of the more interesting people that I've read for and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and that's basically the, the gist of the book, in a nutshell. I, uh, we're going to go through a couple questions here. We've already got full phone lines for people that want to talk to you and, and maybe get a reading from you. When we go to the lines, I know we don't have a lot of time for each call but what do you need from them when we when we start that part of the show? The same thing as if you were to come here in person for an hour reading. Uh, I only ask them one thing. I want to know the area or a specific question that you want to know about, such as my husband left me for another woman. Can you tell me if he's coming back? My house has been on the market for eight months. Is this house ever going to sell? I'm out of work, Gary. Please look and see when I'm going to get a job. You know, not just give me a relationship reading. That's so vague. That could mean you're married. It could mean you don't have a boyfriend. Or it could mean that you're wanting your ex to come back. I get them all the time. Right. That's all I want. I don't need to know the whole story. Uh, my guy, I work with a guide since mm, 1971. That's a long time. Same guides. <laughs> wow. There um, you go. At what point did you become aware of your your sensitivities? Age, age of 16. Wow. I had no interest in the psychic whatsoever. I did not know what the name, what the word paranormal meant. And my high school biology teacher, in her infinite wisdom, took us to a spiritualist church. And don't forget, this was back in the day when they had physical mediums that could do things that they don't do now. Anyway, cut a long story short, we went to a materialization seance in which the spirits materialized in the room. Uh, they don't do that anymore. 
I don't know. Anyway, cut a long story really short, someone materialized for me. I was scared stiff. I was a 16-year-old boy. This man comes forward, and he says, my name is Carl Jung, and I was a spiritualist, too. And I thought, i got to get out of this room. I don't know who Carl Jung is. I don't want to be here. I was terrified. Um, and I didn't believe it was real, and I took a, a piece of Wrigley's chewing gum out of my coat pocket, and I handed it to Dr. Jung, and I said, if you're real, crumple this up and hand it back to me. And I had that for three years. He said, you've got psychic abilities, and you're going to become a paranormal investigator. I don't remember his exact words. And he said, he said, this is the beginning of your journey, and I'm one of your guides. And I said, I think this is fascinating, but who are you? And of course, the next day I went to school and looked him up in a book, and I found out that he was Freud and Jung. Right, there you go. Right. That's how it started. Wow. That's how it got started. Wow. Um, and was that the experience you had when you were working in radio and TV that, that introduced you no, to this? No, that was long before then, long before I went to WGBH, long before I went to Boston. Gotcha. Uh, I was born in Virginia Beach, so I knew the Casey family very I obviously didn't know Edgar Casey since he died in 1944, but I knew his son. I studied in Hewland's classes. Uh, you know, I took instruction in astrology at the ARE. And, uh, you know, I practically lived at the Casey Place when I was growing up in my late teens and early 20s. Then I moved to Boston and I had these experiences, psychic experiences of the Catholic priest who came and uh, told me that I had, you know, had a previous life with this girl and, uh, you know, went into a trance and all this kind of thing. And he had to cover it up. He had to cover up reincarnation or they kick him out of the priesthood. All those things are in the book. And in the previous book that you uh, interviewed me about last May when I was on your show, Walk on the Wild Side. But this one's all about my psychic journey, the title they didn't want to use. And uh, and, uh, it's it's been quite a journey. I'm still on the journey. I'm still (laughs) looking at some of the prophecies of Nostradamus and seeing why, you know, uh, they weren't fulfilled. Nothing really happened in 1999 in seven months. The world didn't come to an end and... and, uh, all that kind of thing. So I don't know. I don't do too much uh, world stuff. It's mostly personal. But I work with the police for free in trying to find missing children. And I think that's uh, very interesting. David Paulides in his book about missing children in state park or missing people in state parks. Right. I've tried to find them, uh, some of them, and I do have a theory, but it's really not part of the show. I think some of these people literally go into another dimension. I know that's we're now we're now into the Bermuda Triangle. It sounds yeah. goofy, but that's what I believe the explanation is. All there right, you well, go. Let's uh, let's uh, pepper some of these phone calls in between the conversation okay. so because i know people have been sure. waiting on hold for quite some time so let's go to uh okay this is bill in pennsylvania bill welcome to the program oh hello gentlemen i'm uh, glad to be on the air and you're on hi, with bill good morning yeah you're on with oh, gary yes hi gary. i'd like to east of the rockies uh, bill <laughs> that's a joke i'm here in the Poconos, the smaller older mountains that's right but yeah. uh i'd like to ask uh, for my lady friend and I, do you see anything? Uh, what the future holds for us? Uh, where, how it'll work out for us? Well, give me her first name. I use a name to tune in on with my guide. I don't flip cards or do anything like that, and I'll give you a timeline if I can. Oh, What's her okay. first name? Her name is Victoria. Victoria, a lovely name. Um, they're showing me that you've been together for quite some time, which means at least six months. Is that true? Yeah, it's just about exactly six months. Okay, don't tell me any more. Let my guy do the work, okay? That's my job. Uh, it will work out. They're showing me summertime weather. I wish I could give you an exact day in the future when she's going to say, let's get married or something. But I see you going on some kind of a short trip. It's not out of the continental United States. Uh, and I feel that it could be just a pleasure trip for the day. And when you get back from that trip, uh, I feel that there's going to be a discussion about you sort of being together not that you're not together now. And this is over the summer, so we're looking at either May, June, July, or August. I don't think it's May. I think I'm talking more about the month of June, and I would say yes. It's 
definitely uh, a thing because he showed me that you you started out this journey, if you want to call a relationship a journey, uh, uh, about six months ago. So you get a yes on Victoria. It's a beautiful name, by the way. I love. I absolutely love that name. Okay, does that answer your question? Because yeah, they only let me do this for three minutes. Yeah. Bill, thank you so much. Thanks. Glad we could help you. Thank you for the phone call. Let's take one more here before we go to our bottom of the hour break. This is Megan in Kansas City. Hey, Megan, you're on with Gary Williams. Hi, guys. How are you? Terrific. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, Gary. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, Well, like I said, my name is Megan, and I have been focusing a lot on, or not focusing, but I'm curious about my health. Your health health is one of the things that I do. Uh, If you come and see me, I do free healing. Uh, And sometimes I can do absent healing. So tell me what your problem is, and I'll tell you what we can possibly do. And by the way, I believe in doctors uh, very, very much. I understand that in the United States you have to pay. Where I live, it's free, but we won't get into that discussion. That's a discussion for a show. That's understandable. What's wrong with you? Um, Yeah, I had a heart failure. They found a hole in my heart, and they put a septal occluder in my heart, and I... So you have a pacemaker now, right? You to tell me about if you don't want to know. I'm pretty bullheaded, <laughs> so I I need to know. I guess with what I'm missing, or if there's any possibility, I'm going to start to take better care of myself. I know it sounds silly, but it's are been you about asking me years. if there's a? I'm such a straightforward guy. Are you asking me is yeah. there a possibility that you're going to die? The answer is no. Um, basically, if you send me a, email me a picture of yourself, I don't charge for healing, uh, to the email address, which I'm sure Jason and, uh, will give you, I, I can assure you that I'll send you healing and, uh, you'll certainly feel better. There's no guarantees with absent healing. There's no guarantee with anything. There's no guarantee in life, but, uh, I don't see you dying anytime in the near future. Okay. So, um, you know, I've done healing on animals and they, they've gotten better. Megan, so that's the best I can do for you on a short call. Yeah, Megan, okay. stay, stay on the line, Megan, for just a second. Um, Gary, uh, your website, GaryWilliamsParanormal.com, can she find the email address there? She will. It's it's such an easy email address. It's just Gary at GaryWilliamsParanormal.com. Okay, so there you go, Megan. You and can I find do it. readings for people all over the world. I have a lady who calls me from New Zealand every single week, so it doesn't matter. They call a Michigan number, 231. That's Michigan. It doesn't matter where you are. You're you're just calling Michigan. It doesn't matter where I am. You're just calling Michigan. People get confused. Oh, my God, he lives in Europe. Oh, my God. I... No, you're not paying to call Europe. There you go. <laughs> all right, Megan. So there you go. Go to the website. You'll get the email address, and you'll be all set. Thank you so much for the phone call. So I, um, we don't have time to take another call here, so I want to I want to talk a little bit more about the book. You talk about precognition in the book, but yet you say, you describe the book as being more of your journey. Uh, what's the, where's, the, where's the precognition come in? Precognition simply means to see ahead. It's just, it's not only it is my journey, but it's also the journey of other extremely famous people who had this gift and ordinary people. I mean, I use I have an example of uh, you know Mister Everyman who basically dreamed the horse race winner before the race and went and bet on that horse and won. There's a lady in Denmark who basically was an actress and she dreamed I think for 40 years the roles that she would play before the scripts were even written. So, you know, it begs the question, how much is predetermined? And are we looking at a fixed future? Or are we looking at a balance of free will and fixed future? Or is it all free will and I'm just a good guesser? You know, but uh, the book is really, and I do go into other things. And I mean, it's a very interesting book. I go into time slips where people see the future. You know, there was Victor Goddard who flew the plane uh, in, I think it was World War II time. Yeah. And he saw the airfield down, down below as it would be five years later with different uh, different colored planes and so on and so on and so on. You know, so it, the book is a mixture of my experiences and the entire subject of being able to predict of the future. There's a, there's a chapter on astrology in which I got Lynn Palmer to help me out. Lynn Palmer is still living. Can you believe it? She told Frank Sinatra, oh, excuse me, she told Mia Farrow, whatever you do, don't, don't, marry, don't marry Frank. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, so I have some famous people who have helped me out with the book as well. All right. And, and before we go to break here in a few seconds, where can people get the book? Uh, 
you can walk into any bookshop and simply give them the title of the book, The Mystery of Precognition, uh, The Foreseeable Future of the Mystery of Precognition by Gary Williams. Uh, if they don't have it in stock, they can order it uh, because it's published by a trade publisher, which means a real publisher in England. Or you can go on the Internet and type in the title, and I'm quite sure that it's available on Amazon. That's the two ways you can get it. Uh, but Gary, before we jump back to the phone lines here, what do you like about doing this kind of work with people? What makes it exciting for you? Well, when obviously when these things come true and they come back and they say, you know, I can't believe it, it's beyond reality or whatever, and no matter how long it takes. I had a lady one time that kept coming back and saying, I haven't met the man you told me. I don't think it's real. I told her she's going to meet a man that he was going to have an old-fashioned gold pocket watch like grandfather had. He was going to be dangling it when they met. And eventually she went to a party and there was a man with the, with the watch. And it happened four years later. So it gives me a sense of feeling that, you know, I'm giving people some hope. Let's say they, they don't have a job and they've been looking for donkey's years. Finally, I see the job and I tell them when's going to happen, uh, and they come back and say, thank you so much for helping me. Um, I think I get m- most satisfaction out of working with law enforcement people, trying to find, uh, help people who, are, who have been lost or who shot somebody. Or I'm still working on the Jill Dando murder case. Jill Dando was a famous uh, BBC reporter over here who was shot on her doorstep in 1999, and uh, nobody knows who did it. It happened in broad day light. She opened the door and somebody shot her. And uh, I'm still working on that case. There's been many theories about who shot Jill Dando. There's even a book called Who Shot Jill Dando. You know, there's all kinds of things that make me happy about what I do. And I'm not doing it just for the money. I really don't charge that much money for reading. So that's the answer. Um, Do you do do, uh, (laughs) private uh, consultations for missing persons? Is that part of the work that you do? I do private consultations for missing persons um, at no charge. Uh, I do private consultations on the telephone all over the world and in person uh, for uh, people who just want to know their personal futures. And I do healing work, but you have to email me a picture. Right. that I did that lady, right. um, and I do what I can do to sort of help you out. I think these gifts come from ghosts or spirits. I prefer spirits to ghosts. It's right down your alley. Um, I, I don't know. I do know that why would Carl Jung, of all people, come yeah. to me when I was 16 years old and tell me that he That's was amazing. one of my guides? That's amazing. Unless this was a predetermined thing that I was supposed to do. I had no idea who he was. Right. And uh, still, I wonder about that day. Uh, it, it changed my entire life. So I don't think this is, I want to make this clear to everyone listening. I don't think this is something that you can go to school and learn. Uh, there's the Arthur Findlay College in England where you go become a medium and you take a weekend seminar course and people come out and they hang up a shingle suddenly they're working medium that's nonsense right, right. uh I, I think you have to be born with it that's my answer all right let's start to run through some of these phone calls we don't have a lot of time for each of the calls we want to get through everybody so this is tj in rhode island good friend of the show hey tj welcome Hey, how you doing, JV? And hello, Gary. And actually, I will say for the first time, for some reason, you make me a little nervous. But I will give you my question. The past has been good to upheaval and Why do I make you nervous? I'm just a man. Well, compared to others, uh, there's something about you. Uh, The past has given birth to upheaval and chaos, as well as a rather singular personal decision. I would like to know when will it be executed, what is the chance of success, and any judgment. What is the decision that you're trying to make, sir? I've made it, I think. Oh, well, what is it? And I'll tell you whether or not there's any success in it. I can't guess what it is. We don't have time to guess in uh, two minutes. Oh, all right. See, I couldn't go into any detail. It's just very personal. That's all. Okay. Um, Without knowing what it is, I would say that there's not a great deal of chance of success. I think what they're saying to me is you need to re-evaluate what you are doing, re-evaluate what you are doing, and go 
about it in a different manner, whatever it is. If you had told me what it is, I would have been able to give you probably a timeline on it, but I can't because you want to keep it secret, which is fine. That's another thing. You go to a psychic. Well, you're a psychic. You're supposed to know everything. Why do I need to tell you anything, Gary? I go, okay, here's your money back. Goodbye. There's the door. <laughs> no, 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 I know that. that it's just I didn't want to be too detailed on the air. But, yeah, it's just very personal. Well, well you can and email me. You can email me, and I'll be more than happy to answer your question, okay? Yeah. I'm straightforward. I don't make things up. I tell tell it like it is. That's the. I think that's the best route. Um, just go to Gary's website, GaryWilliamsParanormal.com. <laughs> e- email address is there. Thank you, TJ. We always appreciate your phone call. Let's go to Barbara in Lake City, Florida. Hi, Barbara. Hi. I just found your show tonight. I've never heard it before. Well, welcome to the family. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm just traveling through Lake City. <laughs> well, you got on your first time. That's terrific. Uh, you're on with Gary That's Williams right now. I'm meant to be. So um, I very much need help with um, how to find the best kind of doctor that I need for my neck uh, and and spine problems. Uh, I do. I have nothing against orthodox medicine. I believe in it very much. But I would strongly suggest that it, is this a, I'm picking up that this is a chronic problem, chronic meaning it's not something that just started last week, that this is an ongoing problem, please? Absolutely. Um, I'm disabled from it. I'm not Don't able to Don't tell me work. anymore. Just let me, just yes or no, Gary. Uh, I'm going to recommend that you go to the Edgar Casey Institute in Virginia Beach. I don't mean you physically have to go there. You can call them, and they will refer you to someone in your area uh, who will help you. And it will probably be an osteopath or a chiropractor. Casey very much believed in this. Uh, or you can access the life readings, the health readings. <clears throat> They're free. And uh, just simply type in what's wrong with you, and you'll access all the readings over a 40-year period about that particular illness. And that costs no money. Okay? So, you know, you go to the doctor and do this too. All right? That's my answer. Thank you very much. Are you still and there? I've been or have to you passed out? Before. I've been to ARE before. You've Long been, time ago. I'm sorry, you've been to where? I've been to ARE, the foundation in Virginia oh. Beach, Edgar Casey's place. Yes, and? Well, I'm just, I've already, I've been there once. <laughs> Interesting. No, I, I said, and, did they give you any help for your problem? Oh, 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 no, no, this, I just visited there, this was like uh, several decades, decades of that. Back oh, I see, so problem. you didn't have the problem at the time you went to Casey's place. Okay. Right, no, I didn't. It's just wondering. Barbara, okay. th- yeah, thank you so much for the phone call, Barbara, and thank you for finding the show and listening. We hope you stay with us um, for the long term. Uh, let's see, let's jump to Anthony. Anthony's calling from New York. Hey, Anthony, you're on with Gary Williams. Um, I'm calling about, I had a cat in January, and she disappeared, and I was wondering what happened to her. Um, I think your cat has found another cat, and uh, I don't think I have to explain what that means. I'm seeing the cat come back between seven and nine days. The cat has not died, uh, and I'm sure that you know what I mean by the cat has found another cat. Don't worry, and my time frames are, are pretty darn good, so don't worry. <clears throat> by the way, you're in the Big Apple. Do you remember Long John Nebel? No, I'm, probably not, not I'm that in old. Lewiston area. Ron John Neville had a Buffalo. psychic show on WOR back in the 1960s. He started, he was before art. He started all this. Oh, wow, Okay, yeah. forget it. You, I'm ancient. I'm 70. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, there you go. Anthony, that sounds like good news. Thank you for the phone call. We appreciate you listening as well. Um, let's get back to the book here for a second, uh, Gary. When you set out to write this book, um, you said you this it's it's your journey. Um, are, is this an instructional book for people? You're trying to be uh, a mentor for folks who might be on a similar journey, or did you just want to tell your story? No, I think I just wanted to tell the story. I don't think you can be a mentor for people who are uh, have psychic. You either have the ability, or you don't. It's not something that you suddenly become. You know, go to some new age thing, and suddenly you're going to become psychic, or you meditate. And I, I just don't believe it. First of all, I have nothing to do at all with the new age movement. I'm a spiritualist, <clears throat> I'm a spiritualist psychic, or a spiritualist medium, if you like. No, the book was basically written because after I wrote A Walk on the Wild Side, which you interviewed me about last year, mm-hmm. uh, the publishers asked me to write 
if I see something, sometimes it's off by a few weeks, but it happens. So uh, at the end of the book, I say free or bound. That's the last chapter, free or bound. What lies behind it all? We don't know. How can they do that? How could anyone dream the roles they're going to play in a movie before they've even written the scripts? I mean, uh, Crissette, that would be Gerard Crissette, by the way, the famous Dutch psychic, could predict who would sit in a certain chair weeks and months before the lecture was ever assigned or announced to the public. So, we, you know, we have to look at the mystery of precognition. We have to look at the mystery of Gary Williams. I don't know how I do this. I have no idea. People come here, they pay the money, I tell them, they come back and they say, oh my God, this is amazing. It happened X, Y, and Z. I say, great. You know, have a nice life. I'm, I'm glad it, it happened. <laughs> the only thing I don't do is I don't say, um, you know, you've got cancer, you've got six months to live. I don't do that. I had a friend, Alex Tannis in Portland, Maine. He's the one who went down to Amityville when it all started and said, this is the biggest hoax I've ever heard of in my entire life. Uh, anyway, Alex is dead. He would tell people they're going to die. I don't do that. I don't believe in that. So, yeah, that's that's how it all evolved. You, um... You you say that people can't you know go to a course and come out and or people do I don't but they, think so. yeah I I, and I I agree with that um, but there are some people who have these gifts and abilities and they struggle with it 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 actually causes them a lot of distress in their life um, what do you say to folks like that well it's because they come from a religious background that teaches it is evil <clears throat> if you look at the Christian Bible if you removed all the psychic phenomena from the and the ghosts and the spirits and everything from the Bible, there would be no Bible. So, uh, you know, but we could we'd do a whole show about this, about my feeling about organized religion and how it's ruined people's lives. So if you're struggling with it, Alex, Alex being Alex Tannis, if you're struggling with it, like Alex did, he was a Catholic and uh, he wanted to be a priest as well. Uh, every time you give a reading, Alex, you're committing a sin. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if God gave you the gift to start with, how could it be a sin? So you, you mustn't struggle with it. If you've got a gift, you need to use it to help other people. I live exclusively, now I'm retired, I was a radio announcer, can you believe it? Uh, all over the world, but mostly in Los Angeles. <clears throat> but I'm retired now, and I live exclusively off of doing psychic readings. So I must be doing something right, or I'd be sitting there on the sidewalk with a tin cup. <laughs> is the, there you go. Yeah, is the future predetermined, or is does free will trump trump anything that we might be seeing in the future? I think there is free will, obviously, uh, but I also think that before you're born, you, the individual, not God, sets it up. You choose certain things. You may choose your parents. You may choose certain um, a, a partner that you're going to meet in the future, and that time frame is fixed if you chose it before you were born. Casey says we make these choices before we're born. He says in all the readings that the incarnating soul devises the plan. So if the incarnating soul devises the plan, I'm only reading, when you come to see me, or I do it on the phone, I'm only reading what you, the soul, have decided. You don't know. You forget uh, your previous lives or where you were before you were born. You know. And in A Walk on the Wild Side, I do talk about that. I talk about life after death and all that kind of thing. So um, I'm trying to plug that book, too. But basically, this is the book we're talking about. The future can be foreseen. How, why, will perhaps always remain a mystery if you're looking for solid proof. But, uh, you know, go to a good psychic and see what you get. Uh, I did get a lady. I think it was your. She was your show mm-hmm. um, up in Minnesota, and her daughter had disappeared in in uh, North Carolina, and the police were covering it up. And I didn't wasn't given any information. And I told her that her daughter disappeared at a gas pump, and to go back and look at the videotape of that thing. And she said the police have confiscated it, and uh, we went on from there. So you know, um, and those are very rewarding cases, by the way. Sure. Yeah, they, Excuse me. they have to be. Um, we only have a couple minutes left here. If, if somebody was interested in um, a reading from you, what's the process for them to uh, get get that? Well, go on the website. 
website and call me. The number is on there. It's a local United States number. Or email me. And when you email me, include your phone number because I can call anywhere in the world for free. And if you have anybody listening in London, I have a London number. I have a New Zealand number. <laughs> that you basically need to get in touch with me because I do book up. Uh, I only do two a day. And I allow an hour to an hour and a half with you. I don't say, well, your time's up. You know, I don't do that. So, uh, And I think it's very important to be able to give details to people like the gentleman who didn't want to tell on the air what his decision was. That's fine. You know, sure. it might have been something embarrassing. Um, you know, but what I don't like is when someone comes to see me and we have an hour, let's say, and they just sit there and stare at me and they say, well, you ought to know why I'm here. You're the psychic. <laughs> and I go, well, you could be here for a number of reasons. If you just give me the broad area you want to look at, we'll go right into it. Um, <laughs> Psychics are not gods, and basically, if you're on the right mission, you're out there to help people. I don't charge very much for what I do. Actually, you could go out and have a great dinner in any Rhode Island restaurant, and I would be a lot less uh, what I charge for people to come here, <clears throat> or any any restaurant anywhere, even here where I live in Europe. Gary, so there you go. Gary, thank you so much for coming back to us. Good, best of luck with welcome. The, best of luck with the book, and I know you're always working on another project, so we hope to have you back on the show again really soon. Okay, take care. It's it's uh, 2 o'clock in the morning where you are, but I'm just getting up, so have a good day. <laughs> All right, well, you have a great day. All right, so Gary Williams, again, the website is GaryWilliamsParanormal.com if you want to get more information about the work that Gary does and how to contact him privately uh, for um, a reading or other work. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.